Hey, Costa. Welcome to Advent Week 3. And it's Advent, not Lent. Do you know this? Uh, I'm well aware of it. See, I wasn't. I sent the whole school community this morning a really nice video from Sister Miriam (laughs) on um, Lent for Week 3. So the St. John's community is actually way ahead of the game. You're just prepping the kids Uh for an intense penitential practice. We're ahead of everybody. Yeah. We're not really... We'll just gloss over like this entire rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's where I'm at. <coughs> Did but, you hear the uh, big news? What's the big news? Oh, baby. My boy from the Detroit Tigers. You know, we, I don't really count the, ha- the Houston Astro days. We don't really need to worry about those Is days. he collecting Social Security yet? I don't know. He's an old man, but my man Justin Verlander On the New now- York Mets. On the New York Mets. So, you Scherzer, know? you know, you do realize that Verlander and Scherzer started off with the Tigers, right? Yeah. Can you imagine that team, what it would have been? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a damaged Mets fan. And, and, you know, a bit older than you by a year or two. Let's go out and blaze of glory. Do you know the last old Detroit Tiger pitcher we got? Don't. 1975 for Rusty Staub. Who? Mickey Lolich. Mickey Lolich. Why does that name sound so familiar? Because he was a good pitcher before he got to the Mets. Then he got to the Mets, (laughs) and then he didn't want to really pitch. Well, I shouldn't say that. That sounds intentional. He just couldn't pitch anymore. And then Rusty went on. Scherzer's been Scherzer's been good. Yeah. Yeah. But you're a Mets fan. You got to be thinking that. You got to be doubtful. It's going to go downhill quickly. Don't say that. Don't say that. Listen, they donned. The Detroit Tiger colors. They're gonna they're gonna bring it home. I love it too because I think he said too. I, I had heard this uh, that Verlander said he did not want to sign with the Yankees. Oh, good. For, oh, now no, I love him now. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's good. And the only fun. problem that I have with this is that I wanted them to keep Degrom. You did. Are you yeah. upset that he's gone? Yeah, he was such a bulldog. I mean, like he eh. was he was New York Mets. Eh. For us, for so long, he was around for a long time, but he didn't pitch a lot. Not in the last three. The years. The Mets won 101 oh. games last year. Do you know how much they would have won had Degrom not pitched? Oh. The number's like 96. <laughs> so I'm sorry. If you want to be there, you want to be there. You're if you such don't, a fan. Where the fan? I would have died with that man. I, I he, but he clearly he wanted more money than to win, and he that, did. that also makes me not like him. I, the thing that I was kind of happy with is like for the first time in a very long time that I can remember, at least the the Mets gave him a, like a really good offer. You can't blame the Mets you anymore. Can't. Yep. They gave him a really mm-hmm. good offer. In the past, it would have been a shameful offer. That's true. That would have been really a slap in the face mm-hmm. and then they would have left. Yep. No, I agree with that. So I, I think the, the future does look brighter. What was the biggest trade? Because trades when you're a kid or players leaving are, are quite impactful. Oh yeah, they could. They could really. I remember in one of my sons, Thomas, was young when Daniel Murphy left the Mets. He was like really upset. He was a he was a little boy, but he was very upset. Who oh, who yeah. was yours? Like that really upset you when they left the team that you liked? Well, it was tough to see like Ken Griffey Jr. in like a. I mean, he he that was a free agency thing. Mm-hmm. But when like, he went to the Reds or to, back to the Mariners to to go to the Reds. The Reds, okay. And he was just kind of like, ah, oh, this is just not his colors. Yeah, yeah, that's all you right. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, obviously in Barry Bonds going from the Pirates to the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like for me, 
the and I don't know if I shared this with you. My favorite baseball player was Cecil Fielder, mm-hmm. Big Daddy, okay. on the Detroit Tigers, mm-hmm. first baseman. And his father played for the Tigers. The uh, no, his uh, son. My son played. Oh, you're th- you're talking about the father. I'm talking about the father. Oh, oh, gotcha. yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And yeah, he played with them for a while, mm-hmm. and it was the first time we had the opportunity. It was it was 1996, the summer of '96. And the Tigers were in like last place. And we had the opportunity that summer to go to Cooperstown <clears throat> to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And it was our first time. We loved it. It's it like, like heaven to a little boy or little girl that likes baseball. Oh, my gosh. And it's like you could buy anything from any team's memorabilia. It was great because like it was great because it was like. In New York, all you could get was Mets or Yankee right. stuff. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees were on their climb. Yep. You know, like the, you weren't getting anything else. So like one day we're walking down the street and one of this guy out of his memorabilia shops has a, a like authentic Cecil Fielder jersey. Number 45. I, it was the white. Wow. I still remember it hanging on. Yeah. I still remember it. And it was $100. And like at that time, I That's had brought a like about, a, you know, it was like 95. So it was like 96. And I was like, I was in 10th grade. And I was like, I was working in a deli at that point. And I was like, do I buy it? Do I buy it? My brother's like, yo, you got to buy it. You got to buy it. I, I ended up not buying it. And I'm in the, we're in the car driving home. And I'm like, um, ah, man, I regret this. I should have bought it. Right. And then as we're driving home, because we didn't have internet at that time, you know, so you're driving home here in the radio and we didn't know this, that Cecil Fielder had been traded that during the day, it was the, it was the, on that day, (laughs) that like within like 24 hours of that moment. So when I got back, can you imagine how you bought the Jersey? Oh my gosh. He was a Yankee. And I was like, as much as I, that's right. He finished the season with the Yankees. He finished it. Yeah. With the Yankees play very good in that world series. That's correct. But I was like so like relieved mm-hmm. that I did not buy that jersey at that point. Wow. Let's see. Oh yeah. God God was acting in your life. That was the most impactful moment of a trade for me. Didn't he hit like fifty home runs yeah. in a season? I, I feel when like nobody I was, was hitting when nobody 50. was hitting fifty home runs. I think yeah. I was even at that game. I, I, I was at the old Yankee Stadium very few times. Yeah, he did it at old Yankee Stadium. Yankee fan, I I love that place because it was just like a museum. And yeah, uh, but I, I was at that game. There was a, a like if you look at some of the video in uh, batting practice. What a prefigurement was. His son was 13, Prince Fielder. Really? He was like 12, 13 years mm-hmm. old at that point. He was a big dude as a kid at 12, mm-hmm. 13. He was hitting him out of Yankee, of Yankee Stadium. Stadium. Really? And then like, you know, not so many years later, he was he's playing for first real. baseman for like uh, uh, the Brewers. So you never know. Yeah. Um, We want to share with you some thoughts. There's, there's no, really no segue. I, we, I try to do segues better, but there's, you can't really go from no. Prince Field. Prince Fielder to the Prince of Peace. Is that, that <laughs> that's awful? By the way, he was like a declared like vegan, and it was like, dude, you're like 350 pounds. Who Cecil? No, his son Prince. Prince, Prince was like 300 pounds. He must have been eating all the vegetables. <laughs> I was like, he's a vegan. <laughs> what kind of vegan is this? Wow, is he still playing? No. He's, he's finished? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anywho. 
Back to the readings. Um, Laudete Sunday, and we want to offer you some reflections on, on things we've been talking about and thinking about in, in reading. Very few of these reflections are actually ours. <laughs> <laughs> We're just regurgitating stuff that we've been reading recently, but um, trying to trying to tie it together for you. You speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we want to share the um, the reading from James first. Is that what we're thinking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I could find the reading from James. Oh, yep. I have it. Don't worry about it. James reminds us to be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You too must be patient. Make your hearts firm because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not complain, brothers and sisters, about one another, that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing before the gate. Take as an example of hardship and patience, brothers and sisters, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And the reading really hits home for me the the part of um, there we go the part of Advent we've been speaking about in the past few weeks how it's so much tied to really the end the coming the coming of Jesus and James yeah. is speaking about it right here. Be patient for that and be patient for the peace that will come with it. And it reminded me of um, Exodus 14, chapter 14, verse 14, which I've been, I heard at, in Indianapolis at an NCYC conference a few years ago um, that, that, that speaks to this and is, I, I think, um, certainly helpful. It says, the Lord will fight for you, you only need to be still. Yeah. And it's a to me, it's always a reminder that um, I can't do anything without him. When I try to figure out my own, I will fail miserably. And just be patient. He's there, and he he kind of has your back. And as we we kind of in these days of waiting for Christmas, and and that means different things to different people. Um, that that patience that James is reminding us of, and and Exodus is exhorting us to be faithful in that. Um, it I just find very comforting, and that's the yeah. it's just a simple message. I just, as I read that, I just wanted to share. Yeah, no, I think I, I think you're right on because this whole theme of this month is like you know, like patience, patiently awaiting, mm -hmm. you know, uh, like we're slowing things down. Mm -hmm. Like it's not going to be instant. We're doing this, we're on this journey for, you know, 26 days, 27, 28 days yeah. here in this season. And it's not, it's not instant, you know? And it, it's so countercultural because just turn on anything on TV yeah, and I don't really watch many other things in sports. Um, but the the I mean, I'll sound like a broken record, but the the amount of ads, you know, promoting Christmas and car sales and red tag sales and all these things, you know, leading up to it, you know, make sure you get what you need for Christmas. And yeah, needs a funny word. Don't need <laughs> yeah. much, but you know, um, the thing that you deserve. Um, yeah, <laughs> give yourself the Christmas that you deserve. But 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 the readings are so countercultural to that, you know, where, yeah. where the the society speeds us up. Get this done. Get this done. Get this done. And and we put that own pressure on ourselves with cards and gifts and all that stuff. And and James reminding us, no, just be patient. Yeah, be quiet yeah. About and it. I I think I think the patience is a is a beautiful theme that and um, that leads into the theme of this uh, this particular Sunday. Uh, it's Gaudete Sunday, mm -hmm. and so uh, the whole theme of this day is to rejoice. Yep. Is is to be glad that like one that we have something to hopefully expect you know on Christmas Day you know and and to like like to rejoice 
constantly in the gift of our salvation that comes. Uh, you, you know, uh, St. Paul says, you know, rejoice always. I say, I say to you, rejoice always in the Lord. And, uh, you know, the most important part of that is, is in the Lord. I mean, talk about yeah. a man who knew, who knew what suffering was, right? Shipwrecked, abandoned, uh, you know, despised by people who walked away from him, yep. left alone. He was mocked, made fun of publicly. Uh, he was seen as indifferent uh, to some. Uh, how many times was he tried? Was stoned, beaten, mm. how, running from his life. So I, I think in those moments, you know, even though he says that, he wasn't rejoicing in those moments. Right. Uh, you know, because life is not always going to be perfect where you can rejoice. I mean, look at our world. Our world is filled and laced with things that seek to tear us down. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, for many people, maybe even just listening, their advent might not be going swimmingly. Mm -hmm. Like it might not be worth, like it, it might not be a, a time to be able to rejoice. <clears throat> but yet the church always promotes and proclaims this Sunday to rejoice because I think St. Paul gets it. He says, rejoice always. I say it, rejoice in the Lord and in the Lord, no matter what's going on in our life, there's a reason to rejoice because as you said from, from the book of Exodus, he will fight our battles. Yeah. He will be there for us. It's just that we have to be patient for that time. To reveal itself, you know, because our suffering, well, like there's no, we we can't put a timetable on our suffering, whether that be someone struggling really physically or emotionally, um, you know, the loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, and this time of year really hits home for people. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember, I remember a, a friend of mine sharing with me that, um, <clears throat> that, you know, who had lost, you know, her father. And, you know, it was like after a year or two, people were telling her, like, she needed to get over it. Yeah, I've heard this before. And it, it she was like, get over it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it took her a number of years to kind of like be able to move forward. Like, there's no timetable for that. And and, the, and I'm talking about a woman who is faithful. Like, this girl right. is on the, her game. Mm -hmm. She got more faith than you and I combined. Mm -hmm. um, and yet she was going through it. Yeah. You know, it, but like she is able to rejoice because it's in the Lord. Like she knew that he was not going to abandon her. I'm glad you brought up that, that example. Sometimes the, the readings we, we through the readings, we conjure up maybe a character of the people who are, who are in them. So, so Paul, for instance, right? Oh my gosh. And, in, and I, I, I like how you said that because Paul was not Superman. And then we, we've grown up on these movies, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll, I'll say, you know, the Marvel Universe, and there's really nothing wrong with those. Um, but well, even, even back to Bruce Willis with Die Hard, that when the hero gets in trouble, they become cockier and, and more wisecracks. And we want that. You know, we, we want to see the situation right. turn dire because we know that Bruce is going to say something funny and right. it'll be relieved the tension. It's a great and, Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but real life isn't like that. 
Right. Exactly. And, and when you when you're bringing up Paul, say no, Paul. You know, as he was being whipped, I wasn't. I I would think is not rejoicing in the Lord. Oh my gosh! But the work he had done before that to embrace Jesus, especially right. after the the sins that he had committed before his conversion. You yeah. know, to to really make up for that time um, would have sustained him, which is 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 beautiful. I think it's an important thing to remember to personify these people as much as possible because once they become more like us, we can become more like them. But if they're like yeah. Iron Man, forget it, I'm never going to be him, so I'm not right. even going to try. I'll let yeah. someone else do that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like <clears throat> you know, some of these figures too. You know, we would never want them in our life, but because they're on like a movie screen, right? You know, it's different. We're entertained by them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But like the reality is, is that like, I, you know, because I think if we, if, I think if we just like take a step back and say, if he was rejoicing in all of the suffering that he was going through instantaneously, we would say that man's crazy. Yes. We that's true. That there's something seriously wrong with him mm-hmm. and that like, there's a disconnect of what real faith is and, you know. Uh, and how he should be feeling emotionally right. in this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's this is time and reflection afterwards, going, having gone through those things, saying, <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah. Yeah. I say it, rejoice. The um, One of the, the lines that I loved also from this gospel was, what did you go out in the, to the desert to see? And it's Jesus saying yeah. to the crowds, you know, about John, and I was just reflecting, it's something that, that we could think about, and it's not so much the desert experience, but but as we lead up to Christmas, what are we expecting to see for Christmas? You know, um, what are the what are our goals? And and there could be a million different answers to that. Is it is it something that's going to be life sustaining? Like is it is it these readings? Is it some of the, the tough questions that you and I are posing right now mm-hmm. pulled from them? Or is it to find a house with the biggest, with the brightest lights and, and the most music? And again, I will say there's nothing wrong with that. We all yeah. venture out or, you know, there's, it's all over. You could find internet sites with that. So I'm not at all putting that down or saying don't do that. But if that's the goal of Christmas, then man, we're right. going to be empty, you know? Yeah, because then it, it, then it fades. It fades so quick. It that, goes like, away. December 26th. Let's wrap it up. Yep. yep. And meanwhile... That's not how the church looks at it. The church is celebrating. It's starting that day. It's starting that day. Right. Yep. Yeah. And goes all the way to the Feast of the Three Kings. And I, and I also want to push a little bit more on this, too, <laughs> re- regarding even the crush. If we're, if we're you know, looking for a crush, the, the things that we have in our house are really a very romantic view of it that came from St. Francis. And again, I have them in my house. My kids grew up with them, so I'm not at all putting them down. But, you know, the, the real one would not have been pleasant. It, it yeah. probably would have smelled a lot. And, and you and I have done a lot of work in, in New York City and have um, – I'm thinking of the midnight runs we do. And sometimes we have leftover food and we, we bring them to homeless shelters. And those are, those are not pleasant places. No. You know, you, you walk in and I could almost, in a sense, smell them. It's that smell of antiseptic. You know, yeah. it's, it means people are cleaning them, but it, it has that odor to it. Yeah. And th- they're not fun. And right. that might have been more akin to where Mary and Joseph were. And it, it's really calling us to, uh, you know, when, when Jesus said, what did you go out in the desert to see? Are we okay with that? You know, last week we learned that Jesus loves us broadly. That was a the theme of the reading. So this week is, okay, how is he doing that? Well, calling us into these dark places that, that aren't, you know, set up on our lawns. 
Mm-hmm. They're 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 much different, and it's it's a little bit. I, I think these readings are very very challenging, and they don't fit into the romantic Christmas narrative. They don't fit into that at all. They're calling to some. They're calling us to something much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even even especially going back to the theme of of today, <clears throat> in in rejoicing in this, you know, we have to put certain things into context here because in the very beginning of this gospel. Uh, John the Baptist is said to have been in prison and now he's asking the question to his disciples, you know, go and ask, go and ask uh, Jesus, is he the one or should we be looking for another? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, Jesus says at the end of this gospel that John is the greatest man born of woman. Yeah. And that like, you know, we understand that in the beginning of the gospel that of, of, you know, uh, all four of them, right. Make reference to John like that. You know, they, he proclaims him to be the Lamb of God with, with certainty. And knew him so his whole life. In his whole life. Not just someone he met that he's doubting. This yeah, exactly. person he knew well. But he's in prison. And it's maybe safe to say that, you know, that John was struggling just a little bit mm-hmm. because he was suffering. But then when Jesus replies to that question, you know, it's understood that John is going to rejoice. Yeah. You know, that John will be at peace mm-hmm. even in the suffering yep. of being in prison. Uh, because his, you know, his question is answered. You know, the, the fulfillment of his life's work, you know, is wrapped up in Christ himself. And he knows his, his fellow Jews, but everybody else, the Gentiles and everybody are going to be redeemed. Yeah. And how, how can you not be joyful when, when you know, like he believed that, I should believe it too. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I'm not rejoicing. I don't think I believe it enough. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. It's, yeah, no, it, I mean, it, I, John and I think John, Paul, and James in the readings today, like they, they pose like real, you know, uh, you know, serious things to reflect upon, mm-hmm. you know? As we, as we kind of wrap it up, I want to share with you um, a, a quote. And this is somebody that until we started talking about this, we didn't know we had in common. So yeah. there was a Christian musician, Rich Mullins, and back in the, 90s. I guess, mid to late 80s, 80s, I was, well, he was in the 90s, you're right, but yeah. I was introduced to him. I was um, going, I had a friend uh, who was an uh, evangelical Christian, okay. and he was, a, he was a pro golfer, and a lot of his friends and the people he hung out with, he's really, really great people. I was like very blessed to be, we'd go to their homes, and, and they were playing Rich Mullins music, and I was very struck by him because Christian music for me up until that point was something that was only praise and worship. And at that point in my life, I said, there has to be more. I don't know if I articulated it like that, but, you know, God is good. God is great. We love God. God, you're awesome. And that's all true, but, like, nobody lives like that. Well, right. I shouldn't say that. Uh, yeah. I don't live like that. You, you know? know. Right. <laughs> and um, one of the things that Mullins, like, I found Mullins to be very, very real because he would talk about the suffering and he would talk about the doubt. And he, he also, so if you're not familiar with him, the song Awesome God was his most popular song. But he would also talk about some other things um, as well. And he was always, always searching. And he died, I think, in 97. The, he was driving and didn't have a seatbelt on an open Jeep and, you know, crashed in, I think, in Indiana somewhere. And um, he had a, a profound impact on me because I remember when he died, I, was, I wasn't in education yet. And I remember thinking, wow, who's going to do what he did? 
like who is going to make the the word of God like accessible and appealing to people. And when I was thinking about taking this job, Mullins came into my head, hmm. you know, and like was very influential. I said, was this, you know, not, not that I would be of riches popularity by any means, but is this something that God was calling me to? Hmm. And it's interesting. I don't know you liked him as well. Yeah, I'm actually, my least favorite song was his favorite. Yeah, it was his right. best hit. His best hit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he had other good ones that I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with because I haven't heard I haven't heard his stuff in a long right, time. Right. Um, but look him but up. Yeah. You know, look him up. He's on his Spotify, words, Apple yeah. Music. I think his you like words. him. But but I, I wrote down this quote, and this is going to be a little bit harsh, and I will tell you right away. But it's very much in the theme of John the Baptist, and I think that's why we're including it mm-hmm. in, in this podcast. Um, I, I think John strikes us as someone who would say anything to anyone if he felt it was the truth. And I, I think Rich was similar. There's a lot of speculation. He was going, he was probably going to be converting to Catholicism. He was evangelical. He grew up in an evangelical house, but he was very caught up in, um, in, in the real presence of Jesus. And he actually has a song called Creed, which is the Apostles' Creed. Which really? is kind of cool, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Rich says this, and uh, you know, brace yourself, folks. This is this is not your Christmas Christmas tis the season message. I'll tell you right now, but you know, we'll deal with it. He says a lot of us are so worried about being embarrassed by taking a position about Jesus that we don't take because we don't want to be laughed at. But the horrible thing is, the terrible joke in the whole situation is it doesn't matter if you get laughed at because you ain't nothing anyway. And I don't care what the self-esteem people say. You're just going to die someday. And five years after you die, no one will remember you had ever lived. And that's a kind of wonderful, liberating thing. And I I think that's a tough message, but I I think that type of um, adherence to truth is is something that I think would come from John's lips as well. You know, I, I I'm not sure I buy into the thing. No one will remember you. I I hope that's not the case. But I but I get Rich's point. Right. You know, we're just here to bring about the kingdom and and like don't be embarrassed about because no one's going to yeah. remember you. It's talking to him and no one's going to be making fun of you afterwards. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, and you know, <clears throat> once again, like Saint Paul would definitely be that direct at moments. Yep. You know, James. Oh, absolutely. That way. Yeah. You know, and and obviously John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, but yet all three of them, all, all four of them, even if you include Rich, uh, Rich there, they all had joy. Yep. They all had oh, prof- absolutely. profound, yep. profound joy. If you, rec- you look up Mullins online, you'll, you'll see that. Profound you know? joy. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, I think tomorrow morning when I come in and you know, you're know you usually in your office and I come in and say good morning, I'm going to start with, you know, you're going to die someday. And, Merry Christmas, and that's and I already understand that that's your love language, of telling me that you love me. <laughs> oh, we're still on that, are we? Yes, and um, <clears throat> I'm waiting for the "I love you" in person. He texted me saying that it was like he was text trying to text his wife. I quote, thought that unquote. was Jen. Yeah, I'm telling he, you, I wouldn't text you. Was you were you at the same table. I wouldn't be. He texting was intentional, you. and now I'm waiting for the "I love you." Okay. Keep waiting. <laughs> the Lord will fight for you. <laughs> Just be patient. (laughs) God bless, guys. Have a good one.